trauma is the only thing that separates us from everything we desire. Now, I don't even like hearing myself say that because the word trauma has a lot of different uses and none of us like to think, oh, I have so much trauma. But in this episode, I'm going to describe exactly what trauma is and how it keeps us from living the way that we want to live. And it's actually quite simple. This is Aliveness, the show that explores how to create the changes you need to make to experience the sense of aliveness you're longing for and how the power of plant medicine can accelerate that process for you. I'm your host, Allison Crossway, a guide and former psychotherapist here to empower you to break out of your old patterns shift into a new state of being and ignite your aliveness. So the basic definition of trauma is this. Something happens that we cannot remain present to. A car accident's a good example. It's too much. And so we leave. We don't stay present. And that splitting off of ourselves continues and has physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual impacts on us over time. Now, there's the big traumas, the abuse, violence of all kinds, accidents, losses, divorce. Then there is the chronic ones the ways over time where not one thing happened, but over time we were pushed out of presence. I remember a young relative of mine when she was two and a half years old, we were out and she broke her uncle's designer sunglasses and he was a really easygoing guy. But these were very expensive designer sunglasses that she could kind of feel that she had broken them. She was riding on his shoulders and had her hands on his face. And I could feel her processing the shame. And she could barely speak long sentences at this point. But that wasn't the point. She wasn't sitting there going, well, I'm such a bad little girl. It wasn't that at all. She was feeling shame. Trauma is a feeling experience, and I hope that she felt it and didn't carry it. That is the hope. But when we can't feel it, we carry it, and it becomes a pattern. So then we freeze. Maybe we freeze around the sunglasses. Maybe we freeze. And we freeze around other people, especially if she was having a really good time, and then something happened. So then it's like you don't let yourself have a really good time. These things are very subtle. Abuse is a very serious and unfortunate thing that happens to people. But trauma is not just abuse. Trauma happens to us by living. Other examples of trauma are judging others. 
Now, this is where that mystical definition of trauma is really important because you might not see judgment of others as, as traumatic by many psychological definitions. It's not. It's human. Of course, it is human. But it is a symptom of our separation from who we really are. And so when I hear judgments in my head or they come out of my mouth, I know I'm not where I want to be. It's a sign that I need the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual nourishment to be an open vessel to receive life. So judgments, polarized thinking. This is right. This is wrong. I'm not saying no boundaries, but this kind of holding on to a tight perspective and unable to examine others and think alongside others, that's a traumatic reaction. Overspending, inability to receive, under-earning, under-charging, emptiness. Then a couple more would be um, perfectionism, which always makes me smile. Some of these things like perfectionism and imposter syndrome have gotten a lot of press. And I always want to know, like, what is it that you're actually experiencing? But any type of fear of expressing yourself or any kind of thinking, it could even possibly be perfect. And what does perfect even mean? These are very rigid things that come from a separation of our life, from our life force energy, because our life force energy knows there's no such thing. That's, that's kind of absurd. The fear to express ourselves, this is trauma. And, and it's understandable. All these traumas are completely understandable. And that's what I really want to say is they're transmitted very subtly and they become patterns in us very early. So then we see the world through the traumatic pattern. And I am not talking about thought forms here. Thoughts definitely can be rigid and polarized and judgmental and negative, and that comes from trauma. But trauma is an experience of the being. It is not a thought. Although a thought can create a traumatic reaction. Trauma is an experience. And having the resources to deal with it is what allows us to come back to our center. And for those of us who had a lot of trauma early, it can take us a lot, and this was me, to actually have a center again to come back to. Dan Siegel came up with this idea of the window of tolerance, which is really helpful. So let's go to that for a second. Something happens and we cannot be present to it. It's too much in the moment. We can't process it. So our nervous system either becomes hyper-aroused or hypo-aroused. Hyper-aroused is manic, anxious, reactive, distracted, dissociative, people-pleasing, not having boundaries, more reactivity, quick to anger, quick to be afraid, fear, fighting or running away, the fight or flight, 
distractibility going here or there or dissociating, like not being present, being in your head, being in fantasies. Hypoaroused is numbing, flatness, play dead, those type of things. Where our response to life is to collapse, to play dead. You also might have numbing out there. Anything that's addiction-related, food, substances that try to numb the feelings. We don't want to feel the feelings. They're too much. So it becomes a hypo. People are sleeping all the time, not moving, very blocked in energy. This is a traumatic reaction. These are all things that we do because the present moment isn't working. Between hyper and hypo is what he called the window of tolerance. So in trauma healing, what we're trying to help ourselves do is nourish our nervous systems so that we come into the window of tolerance. And we do this usually through a relaxation, a feeling safe, also through something called titration, which is little by little, tiny amount, feeling the thing we couldn't feel in the moment, and then coming back into the window of tolerance. Fully processing the event and having our feelings about it that we were unable to have at the time. There's no way of knowing what's going to be traumatic for someone and what isn't. We all have different ages at which we experience things, and we're very, very sensitive when we're infants and small children. And also we have different energy systems and different contexts. So trauma is not objectively defined. Window of tolerance is an extremely helpful concept. It helps us go, am I in the window of tolerance right now or am I triggered? Because when you're triggered, there's no point working something through in a relationship. There's no real point trying to write or do email you want to take care of the trigger and come back into the window of tolerance. But what I want to suggest here is that the window of tolerance sells us very, very, very short. That the window of tolerance really should not be our standard. It's just step one. Last night, I was kind of thinking about this episode and letting my unconscious give me things during the night. I saw this pink line that went through the window of tolerance on the graph. So you've got hyper-regulated above, hypo-regulated below. Then you've got this window of tolerance, and I've got this pink line. And that's mystical union. And there's so many words we could use to describe this, but that's us connected to ourselves. That's our aliveness. That's who we are. That's the goal. Not just to be okay with things and not be triggered. Because actually in that so-called non-triggered state that most of us consider to be normal, we're still guilt-ridden, overwhelmed, you know, feeling like we're not good enough. We're like, dumb dee dumb I'm okay, and yes, you can process things, and you can be present, you could do good work, and all the things, but you're still missing something. You're still longing for something. 
And so the window of tolerance is one piece of the puzzle, but mystical union, this is an even deeper piece. And, you know, it's not a perfect analogy because graphs are not a perfect way to describe the human being. But the thing is, the deeper you go on your healing journey and the more settled in your own nervous system you get, the more you're able to see in yourself and in others that almost all the time, almost every single human being is not themselves. That we are pushed out of our natural way of living, that we push ourselves out of it, that we lose our ground and our strength, presence and our availability and our openness and we're on guard or we're pushing or we're back or we're wherever we are, but we are not in that juicy, alive, union place. And that's the human condition. We go in and out of it. But there's so much of that pink line that we can actually have. And this is where the medicine heals trauma and takes us into mystical union with life itself. I came to see it this way was because I was getting these amazing healings for very human things that had happened to me in the world. And at first I sort of thought, well, the medicine loves me and it wants to heal us. So it's healing these things. Yes, it is. But actually, it's all on a continuum. It's all a continuum from I am so scared I can't even function to there is no time. There is no anything but the reality of the pulsing universe. And so this continuum from complete separation to complete union is the medicine path. It is a mystical path. And everything we know from psychology and from the study of trauma really applies all the way through the healing journey. And so the deeper I go, while of course the big T traumas are always devastating to read and hear about, witness and work with and experience the little t traumas, which is essentially how our culture lives its life, is just as devastating. So trauma is what blocks us from everything that we want. Separation from our own union. And all these words I use, they're simply signposts. So it's very hard to describe because it's not like I sit here and go, I am one with the universe. No, 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 no. We're talking about an experience that many of us have had, many humans do have, and cultivate an openness to, even when the experience is not exactly happening in the moment, if I'm pushing or if something happens and, and I think, oh, this recording is shot, da, 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 and I go into my head, I'm not open to God in that moment. And by God, I mean, I'm not open to my aliveness. I'm not open. I have to be open and turn off the critical head and receive life. 
And that's what we're all after, ultimately, is that state. We think it's a lot of external things, sometimes, or we think it's the relief of suffering. But ultimately, all the external things and all of our suffering points us towards this experience that we can more and more become a vessel for. It's really juicy and really exciting. So there's a psychological way of seeing trauma, and it keeps going into a very mystical perspective. So this is very rich. Our aliveness gets blocked over and over again by whatever experience we're having, and we have to do something with it. So I reach for something. Don't. Nope, that's not yours. So what do I do with that? Where does it go? It can go in all these different directions that we're talking about. It's our aliveness, which is what creates in the world which is what attracts to us the people and the things that give our lives so much meaning. When we have a lot of trauma, we don't have as much aliveness. So the pattern that we're used to is different and we're kind of empty. And all we really know is the traumatic pattern. So we find that again in the world because that's what our nervous system knows. And we forget about or we never knew the natural oneness that is in us. And so we are not connected to that aliveness, which is what sustains us. Which is what sustains us. None of the other things in the end sustain us, nor does symptom relief sustain us. And so we will always be searching until we find the union that's inside of us. The good news is that we have only one thing to focus on, and that is receiving our aliveness. That's it. Healing can be very confusing until you get it, and you say, oh, so there's one state that I'm really after, And it doesn't just feel like one thing, of course, but there's one state and there's different ways of coming at it. So it is multidimensional. And we talked about this on the podcast before. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual. There are different aspects of our being that need attention in order for us to fully live. So feeling the feeling is what allows us to be present, giving ourselves emotional access, opening the body so that the emotions can flow. Remember, the body is the battery. It needs to have the capacity to feel feelings. So there are various breathing postures that we can do. Nervous system regulation and capacity, also really important. Nourishing the nervous system into the window of tolerance Rest, diet, body work, self-care, all of these things are nourishing the nervous system into that place where they can receive life. And you're not blocking the aliveness, 
with fear or lack of capacity or all the things that a difficult experience teaches our nervous system to do with life. And here's another piece of the puzzle. Life is a lot of energy. It is. So when our nervous systems kind of shut down and found traumatic ways, difficult ways to deal with life because life has been so difficult and we didn't have the holding and processing we needed, when that becomes a pattern, it's very hard to hold pleasure and life too because life is a lot of energy. So this is about building the capacity and the openness to receive life. Spiritually, there are a number of practices that open us. For me, silence is a a key, key practice. And I know it's very hard for many people. It's a, a key practice in letting God love me, in letting life into me. Uh, mental receptiveness, again, doing that mind work to let go of the thoughts and settle ourselves so that we can receive something new. And all that juiciness, you know, whatever it is that juices us up, that gets us going, that's a big part of coming into that pink line, of giving ourselves an experience of life. In the medicine, it supports us in everything I just said, the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the juicy. The medicine is supporting us wherever we're at in helping us come into the window of tolerance and release what needs to be released. Because often if we live outside the window of tolerance, when we come in, there are feelings, right? So we're coming in and out. We're feeling our feelings. We're titrating. And coming into presence, that experience of presence, of union, which is where satisfaction ultimately lies. The journey of healing is in some ways difficult to describe. It's very energetic. So I'm going to give you an energetic example that I think listeners of this podcast may appreciate. So imagine somebody says, I have boundaries. That's energy number one. Then they do some deep work, and it's like, yeah, I have boundaries. Can you feel the difference in the shift? We're so used to the push of insisting that we are something that we're not really, or we're still working on, or we're telling ourselves we've got, but it doesn't feel in the body. And the work here is in letting it land in the body such that like, well, yeah, I I have boundaries, but I don't need to tell you all about them. Like they're obvious. And this is the work of letting what we all know land into our bodies so that we can be present. I think we carry a great deal of weight because our knowledge is big, but our internalization of it is in process. And as we internalize it, the weight gets put down and we have aliveness. That's all that's left when we put down all the weight of all the things that we are told. 
all the things we feel bad about constantly, all the things we should do, when all that weight goes, and the medicine really helps us in seeing how not important all of it is, and we have space to open to what's here, the self-sustaining aliveness of what's here. If this episode of Aliveness resonated with you, I would love to have you on my email list. AllisonCrossway.com slash list. I send regular writing about how we can surrender to life and to the more that we know is waiting for us. I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on your podcast app. Reviews make it possible for me to connect with more people just like you who are looking for inspiration and guidance on their journey to create a full, juicy life filled with aliveness. Be sure to subscribe so you get all the juicy episodes to come. And if you have a friend who is deep into their personal growth and healing journey, share this podcast with them too. Now go out and experience the aliveness that's here for you today.